I'm sorry the kids can't go out because she's sick. Um, but that's not the end of the world. It's fantastic. I love kids in the church. Amen. Amen. All right. Can we get an aircon on you? It's very, very hot. Thank you, guys. Good. Would you open your Bibles and Matthew, we're going to go to verse, Matthew 13, verse 44. So we have been going through Matthew and we are going through Matthew. You guys know that we're working through the book of Matthew. And where we are now at is some of the parables that Jesus is talking about. And last week was one of three parables about being hidden. And we did the yeast. Remember the yeast? Did you like the fed cook? Okay. Did you like the, um, and we spoke at length about communion last week afterwards about how when we broke that bread, the unleavened bread, it, it was hard and it was dry and it, it took a bit to get it down and how that would reflect on thinking of Jesus' body being broken for us. It's a serious matter. Sometimes we just need to stand still at the cross and understand how intense the breaking of his body was. So this week we come to the, two, the other two, and I'm going to combine these two parables um, about being hidden. So I want to call this message, My Precious. Who can do that voice proper? My Precious. Uh, you know the movie Lord of the Rings, and it goes after the ring, and it calls that ring My Precious. And that little... That guy that eventually mutated into something gross because my precious. So I want to call this message my precious and listen to what Jesus says in verse 44. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus, kingdom of God, that's all the same. Okay, it's all the same. It's, it's, they're not different kingdoms. There's not a kingdom for Jesus and the kingdom for God over there and the kingdom of heaven in a different place. It's all the same. So when they use it interchangeably, it still points to the same place, the same thing. Um, and some of the writers were very scared to use the name of God, lest they use it in vain. Can you understand? They are Hebrew boys, Jewish people that grew up under a law. It says, don't use the name of the Lord your God in vain. So the best way not to use his name in vain is to not use it at all. Okay, so that's like the kingdom of heaven. But that means the kingdom of God. Oh, yes, thank you for your presence. Yes, I've got such overwhelming... I don't know, but it's of his presence right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you carry these words, that you carry your word, and you speak to our hearts. We just love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, I don't know when you grew up, when, well, when I grew up, I stayed with my granny for lots of time, and my Uncle, my, 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 that's now my mother's youngest brother. He's only 10 years older than I am. And still till today, he, he hasn't told us whether it's true or not. But the rumor is that he hid a whole big pile of those little army soldiers. You remember those army? In the garden. He hid them somewhere. 
And if you ask him if it's the truth, he says, well, it might be, it might not be. Even till today, he doesn't want to tell us, did he or did he not? But as light, he says, we would get into that garden. And, you know, every now and then you'd start digging. And, and I mean, the odds are that you're going to find um, some army little man. You remember those, those plastic ones with the guns and the little tanks? And, all that? and, and when you find that little one, you would dig into that place. You would dig, and you would like get the spade and the pick and you get and eventually like half a meter deep and two meters wide and it's like granny's garden is all <laughs> dug up and and I, and I would go mull you know and you find out there's nothing there and close it up and then you're gonna ask but did you hide it did you did you where did you put it I said, well maybe maybe not till today is but every time you find one of those little money keys you become so excited and you leave everything you leave every single thing because you might just get that golden stash. You know, forever, man has buried stuff that is valuable. Even in biblical times. With Gideon's story, they hid the stuff underneath their tents. They buried and dug it into the... Forever, we've had maps. X marks the spot where the treasure is. Because they didn't have banks and safes and, you know, walk-in safes and safety deposits. They didn't have that. So... The safe place in the human mind is dig it into the ground, bury it. You measure out, you know, five steps this way, three steps that way. From there, you know that's where it is. So if you come back one day to get this treasure, you know exactly. I go to that tree, I walk three steps that way, five steps that way, and I'm more or less in the spot where I buried it. You see, the kingdom of heaven... Is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, the field is irrelevant. We mustn't push it too far. He's, 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 he's talking about, it's a metaphoric thing, which a man found and hid. So he found this treasure in this field. He found something. He found, and he said, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to hide this again, cover it all up, and then do something. Listen to what he does which a man found and hid, and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that whole field. You see, when we truly find something valuable, just imagine, just walk with me, okay? You walk in your garden, you're renting a place, and you kick and you pick up a fat diamond like this. What are you going to do? Might there be more diamonds in that field? The odds, are, the odds are. At least that diamond alone is worth. So you go home and you sell your house and your car. Not the missus. I know some of you want to. <laughs> sell the wife and children as well. We'll get them back later. Just pawn them for now. <laughs> she won't take it good, eh? <laughs> Lay by. <laughs> and take that money and go buy that field because in that field... There's a treasure. And that treasure can fulfill my dreams. You see, if I pick up a big diamond that's worth 100 or 200 or 300 million, all my dreams change. My lifestyle, my quality of life, my children, their children, and their children, their children, if I manage this good, will be looked after. Every dream, every ambition, every hope is fulfilled when I get this treasure in this field. So 
any deal is then a good deal if I can get that field with the treasure. Am I right? The kingdom of heaven is like that. The trade-off between anything this life offers, anything, being rich, being famous, being comfortable, my relationships, my marriage, what I think about myself, what I think about my orientation, where I live, anything left behind for the kingdom of God is a good deal. It's a good deal. It's a trade-off. Now, I understand, and we all know that we have to work, and we have to eat, and we have to find a place to stay, and, and we have to do all these things, and we've got our insecurities and our identities, and we've got all these things mixed up in this mold. And to separate from that might be a difficult thing. If you look at the rich young ruler, now earlier on we spoke about this, in Matthew, because we're working through Matthew, the rich, rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? What must I do? And he said to him, sell everything you have and follow me. You see, sell your identity. Lay down your identity. Lay down your opinion. Lay down your conviction lay down your education, lay down your experience, put all of that on, just lay it down, and you follow me. And the rich young man was upset. He was grieved. Why? Because he was very rich. He had lots of places. So he had five houses down the coastline. He had one at Gharibdam. Um, Anybody got a house there? Anybody got a house that want to go for holiday? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he had a house up there, and maybe he had a house in the south of France, and he had a yacht, and he had, not, he had a triple-double garage with six vehicles in it, and his bank account had seven noughts, not just one. Uh, most of us have one naught. <laughs> Three at least, uh, one dot zero zero. <laughs> he had lots of money, and Jesus said, all of that, all of that identity, all of that which you think you're good at, all of that experience, all of that is nothing. It is cheap. It's worthless compared to the treasure of the kingdom of God is to find that. And here's the thing. The rich young man didn't understand this because the kingdom of God is also love, joy, peace, and righteousness. The kingdom of God, the Bible describes it as love, Joy, peace, and righteousness. It's not fine dining. It's not nice clothes. The kingdom of God is love, joy, peace, and righteousness. And he didn't understand that if I sacrifice all of this, I will find joy. Joy. Now, joy and happiness is two different things. Happiness is determined by what happens to me. So I win the lotto, yay, I won the lotto. Comes tax man, takes half of it. Oh, I'm not happy anymore. It happened to me. Somebody gives me something valuable, yay. Somebody breaks in, oh, that's happiness. What happens to me? 
Joy is a constant in spite of what happens to me or my circumstances. And my joy is rooted in my salvation, that I am saved, that the life I live now, I don't live anymore. It's not me that lives, but Christ that lives in me because I'm already a dead man. But when I pass from this life, I will have eternity where I walk on pavings of gold, where there's no tears and no heartache and no crying and no pain and no thief that can break in and no rust that can rust up my little trailer. Nothing. See, my joy is rooted in my salvation that I am going to a better place and I can't wait. And then like David, I can say, oh, death, where is your sting? But as long as I have not relinquished everything else, and they become, that's more important to And my family is more important than Christ. And my wife is more important than Christ. And my sons are more important than Christ. And my bank balance is more important than Christ. I will not have that joy because I need to give it up. Because there's a joy in the kingdom of God. And God says this, if you would give up your life, you will gain it. But he who holds onto it will lose it. There's a joy. It's not, a, oh, I've got to make the sacrifice. Oh, no. Listen to me, my son. In this house, on Sundays, we go to church. In this house, we follow the Lord. We will not be watching that junk, and that will not come into our house because the Lord is more precious to me than your little feelings. My wife, same story. And then I speak to the man in the mirror too. Have you spoken to him lately? To the man in the mirror. And tell him, I don't care about your feelings, son. The Lord is your Lord. He's your master. He tells you. You don't tell him. Unless you come to that place, he is not your God. You are your God. You see, when you come to the place where you speak to the man in the mirror and say, whatever you believe about yourself, that's a lie. All right? What he says about you, that's the truth. Amen. Not my truth, not your truth, the truth. You see, you might think you are one of the 150 new genders out there. It's a lie. And you can say, well, I want to relate as a baby. That's a lie. Some people are relating like cows these days. Nah. No, that's a lie. What he says about you, that's the truth. Until we reach that point... I'm still holding on to what this world offers me, what the flesh offers me, because the flesh is designed for pleasure. You go to Wild Coast, you go down that super tube, the door flaps open. Okay, some people don't go down there, they're too scared. But for those that have got just a little bit of madness in them, they enjoy it. Whee! Because it's good to the what? Flesh! And some of us, we have to finish up with the dark stuff from hell. You know that dark stuff from hell? It comes in a two-liter bottle. It's got a red label, and it's written in white. It's from the pits of hell, okay? Because it's so difficult to put down. Well, it's good. It tastes nice, so we like it. The body is made for pleasure. Oh, until I say, I can put that which pleasures my body down. And say, I will follow after my king. He is not my king. Then it's lip service. 
And Jesus says that, and, and, and uh, the prophets actually say that, is that these people, they praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me because they value the other things more than me. They live in mansions, yet the church is falling apart. There's a saying about keep that pastor humble by keeping him poor that goes throughout the global church. And the minute a pastor starts rising up, and he might be financially doing well because he's got a brain cell or two and he starts buying and selling property with other ventures, people say, but look at that. And I'm not saying there aren't people that are misusing the funds of the church. Luckily in this congregation, you don't have to worry about that. Why? Because I have got no signing power over the money. All right. There's a financial committee. I can't touch it. I just love that. But if you don't want to tithe here, go tithe somewhere else. Go, go, just, just, just show the Lord that money is not your God. And how do you do that? You give money away. You fund the work of the kingdom. Because when you find this treasure, the kingdom of God, you will leave everything else. You will, that will become secondary. And I'm not saying give up your business, sell your car, sell your house, live on the street like a hobo. That means no, 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 no. It's not a sacrifice. It's for joy. It's yes, I got this. I am saved. I am a child of God. Because I'm a child of God, Lord, this is not a sacrifice. I will put my resources and my energy towards that which I love. Some of you cycle. Some of you do snakes and some of you do carpentry. And It's not a schlep for you to put your resources, whether it be finances or time or reading or studying towards that thing. It's a joy. And suddenly you know everything about snakes. You're not lacquer, by the way. <laughs> Just want to tell you that off the bat. <laughs> you know? Or you know everything about cycling or you know everything about music. It's not a schlep. It's a joy. You find pleasure in that which you love. This is what Jesus said. Listen to this, this again. And he sells all that he has and buys that field. Verse 45. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. When, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought that pearl. He sold everything. What is he saying? Will you lay this world down and make him your first priority? It comes down to the first commandment, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, with all your strength. Love him. You see, is, is he my first love? Is the Lord truly my first love? Or am I a nominal Christian? I go to church because my dad says I must go to church. I hang on to the values because I like, this, that I like the values. And socially I can fit in when at least I can make the right noises 
Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I, I met a, somebody that I know, and I've spoken about her. I don't want to mention it. And the, while speaking to her the one day, and this lady is talking this way and talking that way. And another lady came to visit me in my office one time. And she said, that book, that book, that book. And both of them, I said the same thing. This is not just a book. This is the canon, the word of God. This is what this is. It's not just a book. Nicely bound in leather. I love this Bible. Okay. This is the word of God. You see, unless we get to that place and say, but I treasure this. I truly treasure this. I'm going to buy some time out and seek the Lord. I've shared this and Skulk said this impacted him quite a bit a while ago. Is that you don't spend time with God. You invest time with God. If God is so important to you, if the kingdom of heaven is so important, if you understand that you are a spirit, I want you to understand that you are primarily a spirit. You reside in a body and you've got a soul, a will, intellect, and emotions. And God is spirit and he speaks to your spirit and it's your spirit that gets born again and it's your spirit that will go either to heaven or to hell in a glorified body. If you understand that, How much time are you spending with the lover of your spirit, the redeemer of your spirit? How much time are you spending with him, investing with him? Oh, I read. So we've got a challenge in church that read your Bible 10 minutes aloud a day. Who's still trying that? Just put up your hands. Thank you very much. I'm so proud of you. In our household, we can't get to it every night, but at least three, four times a week, we sit down and we read the Bible aloud for 10 minutes. That's investing time with God. Sitting in silence, waiting on the Lord. You see, most people, when I say, would you please sit in silence, wait on the Lord, you know what their answer is? My mind goes mull. It goes all over the place. My mind just gets filled with all. My thoughts just go all over the place. I can't do it. Good. Start writing those thoughts down. God designed your brain to remember. God didn't design your brain to go blank, to meditate, empty your mind. He didn't do that. But we need to defrag, we need to declutter, write those thoughts down. Read a piece of scripture and say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? And see what comes to mind then. And see if you can focus just for 10 minutes on listening to the Lord. And write down what comes to mind then. Double care Bucky. Double care Bucky. I'll buy it. If you do that for a month and God doesn't start speaking to you. He will start speaking to you. He will start changing who you think you are. It will speak straight into your identity. Because this is what a father does. He tells his children who they are. He will speak straight into your destiny. What he wants you to do. And your purpose. 
If you do that for a month, I promise you, within that month, your heart will stop melting. You would become so aware of His presence and His glory and how awesome and wonderful and magnificent He is and you will become so aware of your own shortcomings. And you will realize that I need grace. You see, it's only when I become aware that I'm broke I'm spiritually bankrupt. That I start looking for a treasure. You see, it's only when you realize I need a pearl of great value to change my life. Who I am on the inside, bankrupt. It's only then that I truly start seeking. You see, when Israel went into the desert, they got stripped of everything that gave them identity. And when they go into the promised land, this is the word of God that comes to you. When you go into the promised land and you live in houses that you did not build and you eat of vineyards that you did not plant, remember the Lord your God. You see, what happens is when we become, life becomes easy and comfortable, we get off our knees. We don't stay on our knees and say, Lord, what do you want me to do now? We're not getting to that place. And then I lose track of what's going on. You see, but when I have that treasure and I understand the value of that treasure and I have got joy in that treasure, When you see a young married couple or engaged couple about to get married, their faces are glowing. It's only after a while that somehow, somewhere, the enemy gets it right to say that marriage is not a good thing. And the women start bad-mouthing the men. And the men... Start staying away from home. I'm certain that's how golf got born. <laughs> the guys needed a reason to stay away from home. So they go play golf for six hours. I can't play golf. Because I don't want to be away from my wife for six hours in the spare time that I have. I've got joy in my wife. I like her company. I like talking to her. I like spending time with her. I prefer fighting with her than her not being there. My kids the same. I didn't have kids to go put them in a boarding school and pass them on and sleep out every night and be all a... I had kids because I love my children. And I would rather fight with them than send them away. Because I've got joy there. When we understand that the kingdom of God is like that. But I want to tell you this. That Jesus died on the cross and forsake heaven. He forsook his throne 
And he became a man. And he didn't count it as being unfair to come down to the man, man's life. And he laid down his life for the joy that was set before him. What is that joy? You. 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 The people out there, the lost. Those people that are perishing. That's the joy that was set before him. Because I'm going to save you from hell. And you're going to come and live with me. You're going to be my child. I will not leave you of orphans. I will not forsake you. Nothing will pluck you out of my hand. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. He will keep on seeking you and seeking you. And your friend that doesn't know him. And that friend that doesn't care about him. And the person that blasphemed him. And the boss that says, well, your God can't do anything. That's the joy that set him. That's why he went to the cross. So Jesus is not expecting anything of you that he himself did not do. He laid his life down for the joy that's before him. And he asks for us the same. When you find this kingdom, for the joy of the kingdom, will you sell all? Will you place him first and foremost? Will you be embarrassed amongst your friends when somebody uses the name of Jesus in vain and you tell him, please don't do that, you're in danger. You can get hurt. It's a dangerous name to throw around. Or when your friends, and I'm speaking to the youngsters now, and they start going towards partying and clubbing and all of that, say, no, thank you. That joy is temporary. I want permanent Will you put it before you when you stand in conversation with unmarried people that stay together and say, we won't, won't be doing that. We will first get married and then we'll move in and be ridiculed. You see, Christianity and Christian values and Christian identity is being attacked so badly today that we are being called fascists. Been called narrow-minded and outdated. Even in, 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 in the high schools in Durban, I went there to, I don't want to mention the school's name, and, and one of the teachers were talking, and he wasn't calling them boys and girls. He was calling them a boy person and a girl person. Because now suddenly, you can't gender somebody because they got a beard. Because I don't know if you're a woman. But if you're a woman, I'm sorry for you because that's not pretty. <laughs> but you're not bad looking for a man. Eh? You see, oh, and the world gets drifting. At a school just up the road, just an hour and away. That's how they're starting to speak. To do what? To destroy the next generation. You see, for the joy of the kingdom of God, will you forsake all? He did. Why don't you close your eyes and we pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that this morning we can come to you. Lord, and maybe some of us have, have never, ever discovered your kingdom. 
And this morning, you have made an appointment with them. That's why they're here. That's why they're listening on podcast or YouTube. That this morning, you want them to find you. The greatest treasure of all. And you've been luring them, Father. You've been knocking on their heart's door. Holy Spirit, you've been at work at them, calling them out of darkness into light. Every head bowed. Please, every pair of eyes closed. I don't want you to look around now. If you have never received Christ into your life, today is the day that you can do that. And in this house, we pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. And I hear you knocking on the door of my heart. I decide this morning to open that door and invite you in. Come be my God. Come be my Lord. Come be my Savior. I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart. Jesus, that you were born of a virgin. That you lived sinless. That you died on a cross. And on the third day rose again. Defeating death. And taking back the keys. I believe that you are Lord. Thank you for saving me now. And writing my name in your book of life. Every head bowed, every pair of eyes closed. If you've prayed that for the first time this morning, and not just lip service, but you know that you know that the Lord is moving in your inside, won't you just look at me, please? Just look at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we thank you that you are doing a work right now. We give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand? And I want to bless you before we go have some coffee. Fantastic. I don't know what happened, but suddenly half an hour disappeared in front of me.